Top Audrey fans, I'm Luis Camposano, you're listening to Friar Lounge. Hello everyone and welcome to the Friar Lounge podcast, where we regularly talk in-depth about the San Diego Padres. We cover the big league club, our minor league clubs, rumors, and the NL West. Let's get started. Thank you for joining the Friar Lounge podcast. My name is Mark Collier. I'm joined tonight by Nick Recchia and George Arce. Gentlemen, thanks for joining the show. How's it going? Going good. Enjoying this uh, start to 2021 with some big Padre news. Let's go. Let's get into it. How are you doing, George? Doing great, fellas. Happy New Year to you. Jazzed to get back on the podcast here and uh, talk some Padre baseball, man. Super jazzed about the new uh, new acquisitions. So let's do it. Yeah, let's jump into it. Uh, certainly some exciting news with the signing of, uh, of Blake Snell and you, Darvish. Um, Nick, I'm, I might start with you tonight, just given the, you know, the depth of, of, of prospects that we unloaded to get some of these guys. And I just would love to get your first, first your thoughts on some of the guys that we gave up and then give me a little bit of your thoughts on the trade and then we'll kick it over to George. Probably start with, with, with the Snell move. It was the first one broke on a Sunday night. Uh, definitely woke uh, woke the hot stove out of its slumber, should, we should say. So um, obviously, it, it all started probably with the talk centered around young pitcher Luis Patino. Um, kind of universally lauded as a, a top twenty-five prospect across the game. It you know we saw kind of what makes him special in small bursts out of the bullpen last year. It's a dynamic fastball. It's explosive life. Uh, usually it's sitting anywhere from mid to high 90s. Um, there's a, a wipeout slider. Now, of course, in his age 21 season, there was moments we saw where he didn't know necessarily where that stuff was going sometimes, but that's to be expected for such a young pitcher. Um, you can see that the, the stuff is there. Um, and, you know, you get him into that raise, you know, development system with pitchers and, and the way that they do things. Uh, it's it's not hard to kind of see why they wanted to get a hold of him. And supposedly, based on the interviews with uh, A.J. Preller he's had with the media, that's been a name that's come up with the Rays over the last couple of years. Um, outside of him, obviously, one major league player, which was Frankie Mejia. Um, you know, and I get it. He's had very inconsistent performances at the major league level for the Padres. But it was only a couple of years ago that he was a – top 20 prospect in the game as well at a pretty key position, a catcher. So nice buy low candidate for the Rays. Now, Cole Wilcox never threw a, you know, in a, in a game for the Padres. He was a third rounder last year um, for the 2020 draft. And I'll tell you specifically with him, he's got such a starting pitcher profile physically, 6'5", 240. Um, I, I've shared with you guys previously, Physically, he reminds me of Garrett Cole. He's got the big, broad shoulders, the 6'5 frame, the big ham hock thighs. Like, you could tell there's just – that is a power pitcher projection right there. He, he just exudes it. Now, he does have his own warts, um, you know, control the, uh, the plane on, on the pitches. At the same time, a pitcher with those kind of physical tools to start off with, and if the entire season had played for college baseball at Georgia, I don't think he lasts out of the top 15 picks. And he probably gets picked pretty closely to Emerson Hancock, who was uh, 
a, a first rounder as well from Georgia who ended up, I believe, going to the Mariners. So, and then finally, Blake Hunt. We went and saw him in spring training last year before everything shut down. And for the three of us, that was one of the guys that kind of was jumping off the, the backfields a little bit, whether it was the pop times uh, or just even the way he kind of commanded the field. You could definitely see he was a leader out there, commanded respect from his teammates. But really the the catch and, and throw game from a big-bodied catcher, that's 6'4", probably 220, was very impressive. And the bat started to come around. And from all reports, during the instructs in the fall, he was one of the bats that really jumped off the page um, to evaluators for the Padres. So it hurts to, to lose that, but that's what you're going to give up when you're asking for a 28-year-old front-of-the-line, uh, you know, top-of-the-rotation pitcher with three years of team control. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kick it over to George and get his thoughts on uh, Snell coming over. Uh, but just real quick before I kick it to you, George, I, I, my sense is, is that this trade works for both. Uh, you know, and I think the Rays are a team that, you know, certainly values prospects and put a lot of stock in guys that have this, um, you know, um, it factor. And I feel like with, with a lot of the guys they got that they, they picked up, like picked up on that. And I'm excited for the trade. It's obviously Snell coming over, but George, let me kick it over to you and get your thoughts on what Blake Snell does for us. And, and give me your thoughts on, uh, you know, some of the guys that we gave up and, and what are your feelings there? Yeah, guys, uh, for me, it was one of the bigger acquisitions, uh, even more so for me than Darvish. Um, you know, we saw what he did in the playoffs, guys. And if there's a team we got to get over in the playoffs in a big game, it's, it's the LA Dodgers. And, uh, he, he did a good job against their lineup. We, we all know about the, the deal with the manager taking him out early in the game, just due to not going through the uh, you know, lineup a couple different times. But at the end of the day, um, he's a good guy on the bump to have in a, in a big playoff game. Um, love the grit. I think he'll fit in great with the culture here. Um, you know, uh, we've seen him. He, he does his like social media thing. Um, he's just a good guy. And I think he'll fit great here in San Diego. Um, in terms of the guys we gave up for him, um, Luis Patino, uh, the rumor is, is Tampa, they were in on him. Um, they, they've been keeping an eye on him for a couple years. So I think they finally got the guy that they wanted. Um, I think, you know, he's one of those prospects that, you know, I didn't think uh, that he was touchable, but, um, you know, price. And let's be honest, Blake Snell is appealing on many levels, right? He's left-handed. He's got, you know, three-plus pitches, and he's got three years of control. And then the contract's solid. He's getting between, what, 10, 13 million over the next few years. Actually, might be getting up, I think, a little bit higher than that toward the end, but it's just a great contract for what we need. And uh, I think both both parties made out well. And again, uh, Blake Hunt, I think with Camposano in front of him, um, there's a little bit of a, of a block there. And uh, who's the other gentleman that we traded for him? Was Blake Hunt and Francisco Mejia, right? Yep. Mejia went back their way. And again, I think uh, he had his opportunities here in San Diego, and uh, it just didn't work out. So uh, hopefully a new scenery for Francisco works out. But at the end of the day, we got our ace, and uh, and then and then Mr. Rockstar Preller uh, tops it off with you, Darvish, uh, the next day, man. Which, if uh, Clevenger's yeah. going to be, and we don't know uh, Lamet again, we only went 60 games, and Lamet got hurt. Uh, what can we expect from from Lamet this season? Hopefully, a full season, but you got to prepare for the worst. And uh, now we got two frontline starters to to get us going next year. So super super excited. Absolutely, yeah. Just to go back real quick to the to the trade. Um, you know, Mejia, you know, since in his third organization in, uh, you know, in recent, recent years. And to me, like, 
I think he's got an opportunity to figure it out, but I am uh, heard rumors that potentially they could look at him as maybe more of a bat in their lineup and less of a catcher. Um, Cause I think that's where a lot of his value sits today. Um, Padre spent a lot of time trying to get his catching right. He's got a great arm, but that could also still play in the outfield. Um, and so he's an athletic player and I think they're smart and they, they'll find a place for him in their lineup and uh, Blake Hunt. Uh, I was impressed. Um, so I think this works out for both. I mean, to get three years to control with Blake Snell, I think that's everything for San Diego as they look towards what they're trying to accomplish with their window that's open right now. Um, super excited about it. So I think it works for both clubs. Tampa just is, is smart. I mean, the fact that they, in the 60 game season, they got to the world series and came up short. Um, it's impressive. So, you know, kudos to them. And I'm stoked with it. Preller is really jumping all in to, to make this happen. Um, yeah, let's go back to, to yeah, Darvish. One, one last thing, guys, I'll jump in on this is let's yeah. be honest. Preller's going to just reload the minor leagues. Once again, the international draft coming up soon. Um, mm -hmm. So the great thing about organizations like Tampa, like San Diego is that they, they'll be pulling these, these trades three for one here and there. Tampa does it all the time yet them and the Padres consistently, you know, stay in the top five, top 10 in, uh, you know, minor league depth. So um, kudos to both organizations to making big moves and bettering their teams and, and keeping the, uh, you know, the minor leagues flowing. Yeah. And George, uh, going back to you real quick, and I'll, I'll jump, Nick, Nick, I'll jump back to you for, for some commentary on Darvish in the minor leagues, but what's your, what's your initial thoughts on, on Darvish? And, um, you know, I think the only thing that stands out to me is his age. But I think, you know, he's been he's played well recently. But what are your thoughts on uh, him coming to the Padres, his age and, um, you know, what what he means to this club in addition to the, you know, adding on to the snow trade? Um, yeah, with Darvish, I think if you just watch video, it's just he's got almost four to five plus plus pitches. I mean, they all dance. They all move. They make the hitters uncomfortable. I think that's where he succeeds. And and I think finally he's healthy. And when you have a healthy Darvish and four or five plus pitches going for you, you're, you're going to see the type of pitcher you saw this year in a short season. So I think that's what we're banking on. Um, I think he's adaptable. I think he'll fit in fine with the team. And, uh, and yeah, man, I'm super excited. I think we gave up some guys. Yeah, we gave up a lot of guys there. We took out on a big contract. But um, as Nick and I talked earlier, you know, as we chatted was, these guys don't have a lot of experience. Um, the guys we traded, you know, three of them haven't played a, a single major or, you know, a professional game. So, uh, you know, Reggie Preciado, an infielder, kind of stuck behind Abrams and Tatis. And, um, you know, Mana and, and, and the other couple kids there. Again, um, it was a logjam. It was going to be a while till we see them contribute. So love, uh, love what we got back. And it's, again, just A.J. Preller going for it, man. And, um, you know, they're doing it for the fans and for the city. And so, um, you know, we got to get ready to, to face a big team like the Dodgers and go all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, the window's here, man. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Jarvis trade and, and the guys that we gave up uh, to make it happen? I, I, really, I mean, I, I think the U Darvish deal was highway robbery. I, I truly believe that. Uh, yeah. Of course, you know, it's a little bit of salary offsetting, and he was a talented player for the Padres, don't get me wrong. But with one year of team control for a middle-of-the-rotation kind of guy in Zach Davies, um, that was more or less offsetting some salary. And out of the four prospects going back to the Chicago Cubs, three of them have not played a single professional game. That being last year's second rounder, Owen Cassie, outfielder, Canadian, um, Ishmael Mena, and also Reggie Preciado. So uh, 
both at this point, 17 year olds, uh, Ishmael Mena, a very talented outfielder, and Reggie Preciado, a six foot four switch hitting shortstop. So, um, it, tremendous talents, yes. Um, with those three never playing a single professional game, is there a little bit of volatility? Yes. Incredibly high ceilings and very, very low floors. Um, you just never know. You know, at, at those ages, you know, they, they could skyrocket and find themselves in the majors at the most, you know, aggressively 2023. Um, at the most aggressively, more reasonably is probably 2025 or beyond. So you look at the window for the Padres, that just doesn't match up. So we're, we're talking about acquiring a resource that's going to help us win in 21, 22, 23, where these players probably aren't, aren't scratching the majors until um, after that window. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, the one player that did have some professional experience with uh, was a shortstop, Jason Santana. He had a really great showing in the Arizona Rookie League in 2019. But Georgia, as you and Mark have said, you know, when you're a shortstop in the San Diego Padres organization currently in 2021, you got, you got the deck uh, stacked against you a little bit. You know, there's a 22-year-old, by the way, today, happy birthday, Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr. Yes, uh, sir. So when you're a 22-year-old, you know, silver slugger, <clears throat> best shortstop in the game, and then um, what's widely regarded as one of the top prospects in baseball and one of the top shortstops in minor league baseball and CJ Abrams in front of you as well. Your chances of reaching the majors as a shortstop in this organization, if you're not one of those two, is pretty slim at the moment. So, yes, he was part of a deal, him and Reggie Preciado. Um, and it just shows you what, what the depth of minor league talent can give you. It's a universal currency in major league baseball. Prospect capital allows you to buy anything because every team wants it. Yeah, um, yeah. no yeah. doubt, no doubt. Well, and, and then your thoughts just real quick on, on what Darvish brings. I'm, I'm assuming Darvish, you know, slots in at the top of the rotation. I mean, I guess maybe it doesn't matter quite as much. I mean, my hope is that, you know, Lamette's there as well, and we can get into that here in a minute. But, you know, just what what does a guy like uh, Darvish bring to the top of our rotation? Yeah, no, all due respect to, to Mr. Lamette, you Darvish is going to throw opening day. I mean – it's the hat tip to the veteran. He's 34. He's pitched in huge games, whether it be internationally back in the, you know, Nippon baseball league back home in Japan uh, before he came over to the States or in a lot of playoff games, he's pitched in world series games. You take him and get, and you look statistically at his numbers the last one and a half years. And they are just eye popping. He's going to throw game one, and it really sets up the rotation to have the righty-lefty-righty in your top three. Blake Snell should pitch second, and then Lamette, which might be the absolute most unfair number three starter in Major League Baseball. Uh, Denelson Lamette riding in the three spot. So not that would not be a fun series for any team looking to come to San Diego next year. And the three pitchers you got to face are you Darvish, Blake Snell, and Denelson Lamette in the rubber game. So – yeah, not, not a fun series for a lot of teams out there. But you Darvish's stuff, um, you know, George mentioned probably five at any given time plus pitches. He's got a total repertoire of about 11 pitches that he throws. He throws five to seven of them pretty consistently, though, in games. Uh, now, one big thing that you notice that changed between basically the halfway mark of 2019 
is he started using his four-seam fastball less, and he started using his cutter more. And two things have kind of transpired as a result. One, he's actually seen uh, quite an uptick in velocity. So his average fastball now is sitting over 96. He's topping out at about 98 as a 34-year-old, which is pretty good gas right there uh, for anybody. But also, you're looking at his control has never been better. Over the last two years, he literally he's, – he's got a streak over the last – I think it's 25 games where he's got over 200 strikeouts and about 25 walks. It's outstanding numbers. They, like I said, they just jump off the page at you. So part, part of the acquisition was also his personal catcher in wow. Chicago, which was another part of the deal in Victor Caratini. So there's a comfort, there's a rapport already there. Uh, and then we talk about, you know, trading Frankie Mejia and, and trading Blake Hunt. Well, guess what? With Austin Nola and Victor Caratini, Caratini with, I believe, three years of team control, Austin Nola with five more years of team control, and you still have Luis Camposano waiting in the wings of AAA, once again, you're going to deal from depth, and that was one of those trades. So but you Darvish, he just sets the table for the team, and it kicks everybody down one spot in the rotation, and it makes the depth all that better. Uh, and one thing I think that's gone underappreciated with these two trades is going into the 2021 season, knock on wood that Janelle Lamette's healthy, and he's the pitcher that he showed he was last year. But also, this takes a tremendous amount of pressure off of the other young pitchers that are going to be on the staff. Mm-hmm. Most notably, Chris Paddock, who now probably has the expectation of going in as the number four starting pitcher, number five, depending on if they bring in another veteran on a one-year deal. And then also the young lefties, the triumvirate of young lefties that are waiting in the wings as well, whether it's who we saw in little sneak peeks of last year and Adrian Marcone in a bigger job this year possibly we saw a little debut of ryan weathers throwing gas in the playoffs oh and by the way the number one pitching prospect still in major league baseball which is mackenzie gore and those guys those three might be fighting for the number five spot in the rotation this year so it gives them a lot less pressure that they don't have to give tremendous workloads next year because we know for one thing not a single pitcher in major league baseball last year threw more than 80 innings last year yeah, well, Nick, you you, men- you mentioned those those young guys, and I do think Morahone should at least get a shot. You know, I, I'm I'm not sold yet that he's a starter, but because of the amount of innings and because of his injury history, but it feels like he's been being groomed to go to go five. And you know, we're talking about you know Gore. You know, what, whether he gets the starts or not, he's still going to be his innings will be limited because he's a rookie. And Weathers will probably start in the minors, but get some opportunities. Um, but I think it's also worth noting, like the Padres still could bring in a veteran. And then they also have a guy out there in Joey Lucchese, which, you know, I don't think we know yet where his, where he sits, you know, we saw him pitch some last year and he certainly has challenges in going more than three innings at this point, but you know, it, 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 did he add another pitch this off season? What, what has he been working on that maybe he adds some value to the organization in 2019, he, 10 game winner and probably our best pitcher in the rotation. And can he get back to that? I think that's a question mark that, you know, at that point with the, you know, at the back end of the rotation, you just need innings, you know, you need innings and you need 
someone to give you just a, some solid outings. You know, this offense is way better than that 19 version. And to me, you know, that's, I, I think that's an interesting point. Nick, you got something? Yeah. I, the one thing I can guarantee you in, in, for the 2021 season, it's not going to take only five starters. Say right. that right now. Yep. Just no starting, especially if it's a 162 game season, no starting pitcher in Major League Baseball was conditioned for, through their performance last year to get them to 200 innings this year. I just, it's going to be a hard road, you know, hard road ahead if that's the case. You're going to have to have a stable of arms and support. And it's probably going to take seven, eight starters this year to mm-hmm. really get you through the season in terms of workload that's going to be needed. So a guy like Joey Lucchese could be incredibly important before the end of you know before the end of the 2021 season. I mean, I, I still think there is. I think the heavy lifting is done for the starting rotation. Yeah, but I think a veteran on a one-year deal, whether that be a Cole Hamels or a Corey Kluber or somebody of that ilk, I think somebody like that to fill and and really push the young kids in the back of the rotation and, and to to give them some competition with it. I think is. Probably something we're going to see closer to spring training. Yeah, George, let me jump in here, man. Let me get your thoughts on on how's this uh, rotation going to shape out uh, outside of the top two, and uh, where do you see this landing? Yeah, well, yeah, again, the top three are locked and loaded with Lamette, Snell, and Darvish. Um, I think it's going to be a big year for Paddock, you know. Uh, he was starting to toy around with that third pitch and uh, the curveball. And he, after a few uh, uncomfortable starts, he kind of abandoned it and became a two-pitch pitcher that uh, a lot of the good hitters in the league were starting to sit on pitches. And, uh, you know, he got rattled a little bit, call it your sophomore jinx. But um, at the end of the day, I think the pressure's off of being the sheriff, you know, pressure off of being, you know, the frontline guy. And at the end of the day, um, you know, he can learn from those veterans. So I think it'll be a big step up here for Paddock, especially, you know, going up against uh, teams with their fourth guy on the rotation. So I think that'll be good um, in terms of the, the fifth spot. Yeah. I think currently um, McKenzie's finally going to get his opportunity. Um, I loved what I saw in Ryan Weathers, but I don't think he's ready just yet. And um, we've talked about this. Um, I love Morahone. Um, I think he's dynamic. I love guys that can give up a 500 foot bomb and just ask for the pill back on the mound and, and throw the next pitch without worrying about what just happened. I, I love his, his mound demeanor and uh, the great thing with him and, and Mark, we've talked about this. He serves that, that Dodger like Urias role. He can give you a good start. He can close mm-hmm. out a game. He can come give you a hell of a matchup. So um, I love me some Morahone. And the fact that we kept him throughout these trades, I swore that he was on a package going back to the Cubs based on everything we were reading over the months. So um, awesome, awesome job to keep that guy. Um, uh, in terms of acquisitions, we've talked about this, guys. Is do we go after a, a low cost veteran? Uh, do we do another trade? Um, or do we let the kids go, you know, and like tank, like Nick said a little bit earlier, um, it's not going to take just five starters. It's baseball injuries are going to happen, right? It's COVID still. So at the end of the day, I think, uh, we got to load up with some pitching and, um, you know, the veterans that we've talked about, you know, that are on the heap again, are your Hamels. There's that local connection, um, coming full circle back to San Diego, bringing a championship back. I think he was about 15, 16 when the pods went to the 98 world series, so there's got to be a, a love there for him to come back home. Um, again, Corey Kluber's trying out for some teams here pretty soon, um, you know, to showcase what he's got. And then there's Chris Archer, who's got that Tampa Bay connection and, and that old pottery connection we were looking at. Um, on a trade standpoint, this is something that we talked about and put out some tweets. 
Um, uh, I love me some Luis Castillo. Uh, Luis Castillo on an arbitration year is going to get about six to eight million. Suddenly we'd probably pay one of our, you know, one of these veteran guys. And you go back to the three years of control, which is kind of the Padres window to go take it. And uh, it's a guy that Preller had traded four years back with the Marlins, but it got rescinded due to an injury to Colin Rea. So um, again, we know how Preller is about going after guys that, that he's kept his eye on. And um, man, you put him in that rotation. And again, taking a look at Lament and what what's happening with the elbow there. Um, I think Luis Castillo would be an amazing acquisition and the guys going back would be guys that, that have been showcased and guys that can show it. And Luis Camposano, um, you know, Ryan Weathers, Baez package, but, you know, the chips are there. So, um, you know, we'll see if Perler's done with uh, filling up the rotation, guys. Well, it's it's funny, George. Uh, thanks for that. I, I all uh, Pretty much all the guys we've mentioned have either have connections to the Padres. You know, they were, we're talking about uh, Kluber's been mentioned. They were looking at him last year before he went to the Rangers. Hamels, I heard that rumor twice prior to him uh, the last, uh, the, since Preller's been here, he's been rumored to be coming to San Diego. So certainly the Padres have checked in on him and there's some, been some interest. Um, and Castillo would be a great find. I mean, uh, it, it matches up to what we're trying to accomplish in that, like the window, right? Till 2023. Um, does Preller have it in him? I don't know. It would be, I mean, that would be pretty amazing, but my, my concern would be you probably end up having to to get rid of a guy like Baez and Camposano and maybe Weathers just to make that deal happen. And that just seems like a, you know, um, we've emptied the cupboard a little bit, quite a bit here, um, but we've still maintained some of the, a lot of these guys. So how much, how much, you know, and, and we're not going to be getting top, top five, top 10 anymore. We're kind of the back end, but we're still going to get plenty of talent. I have a lot of faith in this organization to bring in you know, strong talent and, and also do it through the international, uh, international signings. But um, yeah, guys. really yeah. quick, what do you guys think about the reality of uh, signing uh, one of the top free agents still in Sagano or, or the good old Trevor Bauer guy? Uh, you know, he's uh, pretty active. A lot of teams looking into Trevor Bauer. Um, do you guys think there's an opportunity, despite the big moves we made, to go after one of those two guys? Nick, you take that one first, man. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick a fork in those. Those are done. So Trevor Bauer, he can play on social media all he wants. He can ask Potter fans why he should come to San Diego. The reality is that the team is not going to fork over $30 million plus a year, which is supposedly the rumored asking price is in, in the mid-30s and above a season. Whether he's going to get that or not is debatable, but supposedly that's the ask based on different people in the game, John Heyman, stuff like that. Um the Padres are just one, I don't think have the wherewithal to do it. Even if they did, I think there's much better ways to spend that kind of money. Possibly like, you know, signing a 22 year old superstar shortstop to a long-term extension that things like that would take a lot more priority than bringing in Trevor Bauer, who right now on this staff is your second, your third, your fourth. Fourth. Starter. <laughs> well, I mean, you look and, at the and, numbers. Last year, he jumped off the page. He had one season in Cleveland where he jumped off the page as well before he got hurt. And then there's some starts. seasons in between that are pretty inconsistent. But but 12 starts. I mean, yeah, you can win a Cy Young with 12 starts. But, like, I mean, I mean, guys, we've been baseball fans our whole lives. We've seen plenty of guys have 12 great starts and then 12 terrible starts and or eight terrible starts in that. So, 
you know, I'm sure he's a great pitcher and I feel like he's going to bring value to whoever he signs with. My feeling is he's going to be, he's going to be a blue Jay. He's going to be an angel. Angels are star for pitching. And I don't know if that makes sense for him to go to, to the, to Anaheim given, or excuse me, to, to Los Angeles, given their, um, you know, challenges with just bringing in pitching uh, other pitching, but uh, that's kind of, I feel like where he's going to land just because they need pitching and they're willing to over overpay. So um, but yeah, George, going back real quick to Lamette, like, I think that's a, that's a, a big thing. I think we should just spend a little more time on is Lamette's injury to me is, you know, I heard recently he's getting like, um, plasma, uh, plate. I'm getting the term wrong, Nikki, maybe, but help me here. Uh, he got some rich plasma injection injection. And I think that's something that we've heard before prior to people getting Tommy John is like that last stitch effort um i was just going to speak yeah. to it really quick is unfortunately yeah, you know i know they uh you know reports say that december 1st he started throwing the ball but unfortunately we're not going to know until he hops on the hill and just lets it loose you know and, and that's going to be in spring training man and and like i said i think we're building the deck with the rotation uh we got the kids coming up we got paddock again we've talked about it and uh, that's where i think there's one more move going to be made man but Again, this was a short season of 60, and if you're expecting Lamette to come out and be solid for 35-plus the playoffs, you know, we got to be smart with him. And uh, I won't be surprised, even if he's healthy, Lamette will be on a pitch count, you know. He'll be treated just like we're treating Gore, you know, the Morahones, the Weathers, just with, you know, building the arm up and and just making sure, you know. So, um, you know, that that's where I think everything lies with Lamette. Well, and one thing I think it's worth mentioning on Lamette is that, you know, Clevenger had his surgery relatively early. And if you stagger this, you know, potential, let's say Lemon has to have surgery in February, knock on wood that he doesn't. But if he does, at least you stagger that a bit. So let's say Clevenger is able to come back, start the season next year, and then Lamette comes back, you know, in second half of the season kind of thing where you're, um, you know what I mean? So you're not, um, so you you basically find out about Lamette, maybe he can stick it out and maybe he can pitch for us this year or maybe not. Um, so I think there's, you know, they certainly have, they Preller and company have certainly thought about that. And so um, if you guys are okay, maybe we'll shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit yeah. about the, uh, the bullpen a little bit. Um, bullpen obviously is in, in, in great shape. Um, there's one thing that kind of stands out uh, to me. What stands out is uh, where we are from a, uh, and they're a closer situation and thinking about um, Yates, Rosenthal, you know, where we stand there. I'd love to get uh, your thoughts, George, I'll start with you. I'd love to get your thoughts and what do you think we're going to end up doing here um, from a bullpen standpoint? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to love about both those closers and Yates and Rosenthal, man. I mean, Yates has a nasty splitter. Um, you know, the surgery he came off wasn't anything to do too much with the elbow. Um, is more of a little cleanup action. And, um, you know, he's got that connection here, man. And I think he deserves a chance to be our closer. Um, on the second half for the organization, I think it comes at a great cost because of the injury. Um, you know, looking at maybe a five, eight, 10 year with incentives. Um, but it's, you know, it favors the team. And right now we're, we're, we picked up a big contract with Darvish. And, you know, we had a payroll goal about 150. But Sealer, uh, you know, in charge now, it looks like they're willing to stretch that out getting them the 160, maybe the 170 range just to, to go win it all, you know? So 
Yeah, Nick, Nick, what's your thought, man? Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about the, the bullpen right now, it, it's a gluttony of riches. Uh, right now, I mean, you're looking at a, a setup group that's going to include you know, Drew Pomeranz, Emilio Pagan, uh, midseason acquisition Austin Adams, who's got dynamite backing with the bullpen kind of stuff. Um, the uh, the epitome of a just the ultimate bullpen tease that's Jose Castillo. He shows you just lightning in a bottle and then just can't stay on the field. So he's one of those guys, like if he does make it to the bullpen and, and stays healthy, all of a sudden you have another late inning dynamic option. <clears throat> but the one thing that really would put everything in order and kick Pomerantz to the eighth and Pagans to the seventh and so on and so on would be bringing in one of those gentlemen to be a closer. Now there's other op options out there. There's uh, Liam Hendricks as, as one, but really the, the two that I think Padre fans specifically want to see the team approach and try and bring back is either Kirby Yates or Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, as we've, we've discussed though internally here, the, uh, the go-to between the two, to me, I, I'm a Kirby Yates fan. And when you look statistically between the 2018 and 19 seasons, statistically outside of Josh Hader's performance in Milwaukee, you could argue that Kirby Yates' performance over those two seasons were the performance of the best reliever in Major League Baseball outside of Josh Hader. He goes through that. He has the, the, the cleanup, I believe, on some, some bone chips, bone spurs in his elbow. Gets out taken care of it in a regular 162-game season. He's back before the end of the season. It was only really because of the shortened season that was the reason he wasn't able to get back in time. So you put him as a healthy Kirby back in the back of the bullpen without a long-term commitment as more of a prove-it season for the 2021 year, I think that's ideal for the team. You can give him incentives for, for performance-based numbers. Uh, and then from there, like I said, it sets up everybody and puts them in, in a chance to be successful. I mean, if you really think about it, if you could have a combination of Jose Castillo and Austin Adams as, as dynamic middle relief pitchers, that's not fair. Like that, that is, that is causing some, some, uh, some heartburn for uh, pinch hitters and, and regular hitters throughout the National League right there when Jose Castillo might be entering a game in the fifth or sixth inning. Yes. So I have a... So I have a question for you guys. So were the struggles that Yates had last year, was that a result because he was dealing with some injuries, dealing with those bone, uh, with his elbow? Absolutely. I'm just trying to like un understand, like, I mean, to me, that's where my concern comes in. But yeah, I agree with you, Nick. He's lights out, you know, and certainly last year, him coming in was, I think everybody was kind of like, well, what's going on with Kirby, you know? And, and I think... I think a lot of, at least from what I see on Padres Twitter, people lean towards Rosenthal because he was pretty electric. He engages with the fans and, and, and there's that element. But I think, you know, it's easy to forget what Kirby has done when we were a bad team and how dominant he was. Um, and so to me, that's the cheaper option, right? Is to go with, to go with him and Rosenthal, like, I keep going back to Rosenthal because just I like the guy, but I also am like concerned. I, I think about the money that the Rockies gave Wade Davis, right? And I'm not saying he's going to get those types of numbers in this kind of season and the in the environment that we're in, cool. but you're probably going to have to pay him 10 million a year, right? And George, you want to jump in? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I go back and forth on this. I go back in between, hey, Yates is five to six million, but coming off a small scope with the splitter, um, you know, versus the electric stuff that Rosenthal has and the excitement that we just saw in the Brown Unis and his engagement with the fans. And, you know, so uh, on the other hand, I look at $10 million versus five, you know, it's a $5 million difference. And if you're all in as an organization, then, you know, <laughs> You know, what, what do we talk about? OPM, other people's money, right? So <laughs> right. it's not my money. So at the end of the day, you know, go, you go get the guy that you think is going to close out a big playoff game for you. And, and again, I know, Tank, you're big on Yates and the splitter. I get it. Um, and then there's the stuff with Rosenthal. So um, I don't think you can go wrong. And the worst case scenario, guys, if neither happens is, in my opinion, you got a great guy in Pomerantz who's, you know, I think gave up one run um, all season last year and, you know, can can pitch great against lefties and righties. So uh, well, I think it's a win-win-win for the pods next year with the closer role. Yeah, George, I mean, the, yeah. the whole thing is you want to bring in the better pitcher, which is Kirby Yates. So All right. You, you bring in Kirby Yates uh, and, and his splitter. Because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, the stuff. I get it. It's locating 92-93 and, and is having that splitter drop off the table. That That's a true strikeout pitch. Rosenthal. It's dynamic stuff, and it really is fastball changeup. But if the fastball starts to trend down in terms of velocity, it's a less dynamic kind of you know package. So, well, give me Kirby Yates. And Kirby has said his preference is to play on the West Coast because his family gets to see him play. And the last thing we want is to see Mr. Kirby. Go don't, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Else, so. Don't we'll, say it. We'll the reality is, is that the, the bad guys are going to either get one of those guys or Liam, Liam, uh, what is it? Hendricks? Like, what? Well, one, one name I'm going to throw out there though. And I think you can't forget is, is Brad Hand. I'm not saying he's coming here, but like, you know, I, I feel like maybe he's a little bit cheaper in, in terms of being able to get him uh, than, than Rosenthal. So I think he's kind of maybe in the middle there between those two. It's been um, trending down though the last two seasons, so it's. No, I I, I agree. It's just a it's a lefty, and uh, you know, so it's an interesting name because he's out there. But uh, yeah, Nick, you I'm gonna go back to a name that you mentioned, Castillo. Like, uh, very frustrating. I mean, the guy we've seen him strike out like I think in succession the three Reds, the you know top flight Reds. Uh, yeah, I mean, was it Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, and Adam Duvall in his All Star year? Right. And, and the, yeah. he's dynamic. And, you know, if that guy could stay on the field, I mean, he, he could be our back end closer at some point, just he's that, that good. But like, you know, so, so to me, he's a huge wild card because our uh, bullpen could go from great to dominant, super dominant. If we can bring in a guy like that and he can pitch consistently and be healthy. So Mark, you've said this and George, we've all had this conversation together. If he doesn't make the rotation, Adrian more home. Talk about dynamic lefty coming out of the pen. I remember last year at spring training, and, and he's thrown against the Angels. And it's Mike Trout. I believe it was Justin Upton. Oh, no, no, excuse me. It was Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Shohei Otani. Yep. And he breaks Mike Trout's bat. He breaks. Twice. Yeah, he, he breaks Anthony Rendon's bat, and then he strikes out Shohei. Like, that's the kind, and I get it, it was spring training, but when you break Mike Trout's bat, you break Anthony Rendon's bat, who were arguably both 
top 10, obviously Mike Trout's probably one of the best players in Major League Baseball. You break their bats and then you, you strike out Otani in, in a single inning, you're looking mm-hmm. pretty good. I mean, that stuff is just impressive. And you're in a bullpen, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you can it down and you go let it fly for, you know, one inning, three batters, give me the best you got for that. I, I don't see there's any reason why eventually, if he doesn't make the rotation, you might look at him in the back of the bullpen and, you know, give us the best you can for, for three guys. Well, and I think it's interesting to think about, like, some of the trades that have happened and the fact that Morahone's still here. Like, certainly – you know, uh, Morahone, Weathers, and Gore kind of stand out to me, right? Because we've yeah. the, the, some of the arms that we have traded. You know, th- thinking about Quantrill and thinking about Patino, right? You know, lefties are at a premium in the league, and hanging on to those guys make a lot of sense, and they're there for different reasons, and they're at different stages in their career. But um, yeah, Morahone's super dynamic. Haven't even seen Gore at the major league level yet, and then Weathers, who knows? You know what where where he lands in terms of uh, rotation or a guy who can give you back end of the bullpen kind of things but it's exciting to have three dynamic lefties um young guys who are coming so nick what's up man i will say this gentlemen do not forget aj preller and company spent 22 million dollars to bring in adrian Morhone in the 2015 international extravaganza they spent 22 an $11 million signing bonus and a matching $11 million penalty to bring him into the fold. That is how much they think about Adrian Morhone. Good point. So, Good point. You're willing to spend that kind of money on an amateur pitcher on a kid at the time. You're not giving him up lightly. And one of the reasons why his, his name is still on the roster. Yeah, he's oh, progressing. I mean, he, he might have become one of uh, one of the untouchables, and we don't even know it. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, and Baez. Baez is a guy who's kind of fallen, fallen behind a little bit. Um, he's a guy that you think would have taken a step forward. And, you know, another guy you, you've heard in trade talks, but he's still in the Potter organization. And it'll be uh, – what do you think, guys, on in terms of where Mich- Michelle Baez is at in his uh, either progression or, or regression? I feel like he's a depth piece, depth piece at this point, right? Uh, he's a, you know, I, I think they intended for him to be a starter last year, and that didn't happen. At a necessity, he became a, a guy who was, you know, kind of ended up more towards the bullpen and wasn't going to really start for us. But, um, you know, I, to me, I, I don't really know. I feel like he's a depth piece right now. If somebody goes down of like a paddock, you know, pulls a hammy or gets injured, I think he's a guy who could come in and start. Uh, that's my feeling. It's just he gives he's an extra layer of depth for us in the starting rotation at this point. But uh, that's just my feeling. Nick, what are your thoughts there? I mean, spring training, you know, 2020 spring training felt so long ago last year. March, yeah. you know, early March of 2020 feels like a lifetime oh ago almost. Um, oh my gosh! But he was he was one of the guys that you know when we went back to the the house every night. He was one of the guys that we talked about. Because it, it was the stuff was back the, in 2019. The, the the stuff, the mechanics. You know, when we talked to people, the mechanics were off a little bit. The velocity started to dip, and, and the word on, around camp last year during spring training was the stuff was back for Baez, and it was 97. It was 98. It was that electric stuff that he had shown so prominently in the mid, Midwest League when he really just jumped on the prospect. 
So if, you know, I, we were robbed of seeing what he could do at the minor league level last year with that kind of stuff. I'd love to see what he does at the AAA level to start off the season if he can maintain that kind of stuff again. Uh, and, and we talk about a guy coming back off injury. You know, don't forget about a guy named Reggie Lawson. He was another one. He was jumping off the page last year early in camp and then and came down with Tommy John. So, but if, if he's healthy by mid-year this year, talk about another kid with dynamic stuff. Well, Nick, you mentioned that it's, it's important, I think, to, to think about, right? Reggie Lawson, there's a, a Mason Thompson, there's, uh, you know, guy like, you know, some guys that have had some injury history, right, that are, you know, we're coming off a, a strange year, right? We didn't have a minor league season. We don't have this development um, history to talk about and how they guys progressed. We have like this kind of mystery and shadow, of, like what happened at the alternate site, right? You know, we have very few very little information that came from there. And Mason Thompson's a guy, I mean, I've even heard, you know, a lot of buzz about Jacob Nix and, you know, there's a, we can certainly tell a lot of different stories about Jacob Nix and some of the things we've heard, but there's some buzz about him and him potentially being able to make some noise. And uh, I, I'm even interested to see like, you know, just, just, you know, some of the guys are injured. Uh, Espinosa, you know, where do these guys sit? Espinosa hasn't really thrown a lot um you know outside of was it 2016 but 2016 so but at the same time I think there's value in thinking about how quickly are the Padres going to progress him being that he is on the 40-man roster and you can't keep a guy like that down for too long if he's throwing high 90s you know he may end of the season or may get some just innings kind of like very Patino-esque right where he gets some innings here or there where he can fill in for an injury or just come up and get some innings just to see where he sits. Um, but, you know, uh, any, any additional thoughts guys here as we wrap up thinking about the pitching and, and before we move on to bench guys. Well, when we're talking about Anderson and Espinosa, I, I think the transition to the bullpen probably starts immediately. Um, you know, when, when you've been off that long, it, it's about maximizing the return with that stuff. Uh, from all reports at Instructs, he was showing some of that same dynamic stuff. It was mid to high 90s. He was flipping a curveball still at a plus rate. It's can he stay healthy? So you put him in a bullpen and short bursts, hopefully you can keep him healthier. Uh, man, it, it's amazing what you can see nowadays on social media when the pitcher is throwing out some, some videos with a Rapsodo machine behind him. <laughs> and, and you're able to get velocity, spin rate, things like that. Uh, wow. So, yeah, Mason Thompson, uh, he impressed front office officials so much. You got to keep in mind, this kid has never thrown above high A ball, and that was in limited duty even for the Storm. And he got added to the 40-man roster this offseason to protect against uh, the, four, the Rule 5 draft. I mean, I've seen videos where he's, he's throwing that nasty slider in the high 80s, and he's snapping off fastballs 97-99. That stuff plays in a bullpen. My goodness. Reggie Lawson, Reggie Lawson's just, once again, that the ideal pitching frame, 6'4", 230, can hit, you know, sit more or less mid-90s. And he's one of the kids, he's thrown in the most Don Welke classics. He's thrown in three of them. Wow. So, <laughs> an impressive kid. Um, and, and from the same draft class, Mason Thompson and Reggie Lawson. Reggie Lawson, I believe, was a million-dollar bonus baby. 
Mason Thompson was bought out of a scholarship, I believe, to Texas with a $1.75 million bonus. So six foot seven, 235. It's a big kid right there. So, uh, you know, no surprises. There's a lot of power coming. But those are just a handful of, of those power arms that are still in the system. So everybody likes to say, like, you know, we went all in. Like, the reality is we didn't go all in. Uh, we still have all of our premium prospects. Uh, if, you, if you, you know, take Patino out of it, you still have the number one pitching prospect in the game in Mackenzie Gore. You still might have what might be the number one shortstop prospect in the game in, you know, <laughs> C.J. Abrams, possibly one of the top catching prospects in the game, Luis Camposano, and a bevy of power arms like the kids we just mentioned. So mm-hmm. the farm is not barren by any means, gentlemen. Yeah, and it's exciting. And, you know, I mean, this, the reality is this where Preller is building this team because we're going to, you know, the, the Dodgers are a barometer for how good we are and they're the team to beat. And I think he's stacking this team with a lot of talent in order to overcome that. And I think once you do that, you know, certainly there could be a different team that's fighting for the championship this year, but they're the team to beat in the NL West and we're looking up at them and that's what we got to do. We got to win the NL West and I think we've got the talent to do it. And, you know, let's, let's stay healthy and go uh, make 2021 a great year. Um, moving on to the bench. Uh, this is an interesting conversation, I think, as you know, it, it's still kind of open, right? Where we're going to land from a bench standpoint. Um, uh, Padre signed uh, O'Grady, I believe his name is. Yep. And um, Profar is a guy that was an important part of our bench last year, at least for, at least for half of the season. Um, struggled for the first part of the year, but I think, you know, there's a belief from Preller uh, and Tingler that, you know, he's a valuable piece. And I think latest I heard was the Royals were interested in him. And, you know, uh, I I think it's a decision he has to make. Am I going to play every day with the Royals? Am I going to have an opportunity to play every day? Or am I going to be on a competitor? And maybe my feeling is he'll play every day, but is it going to mean does he get one at bat or does he get three at bats? And, you know, I, I think he's a valuable piece. I'd like to see him return. Um, but, you know, we have guys like Mateo and, you know, it's a, it's a little bit less jazzy without Profar there. Um, but I'd love to give your thoughts on the guys that we have, fellas, and, and, and maybe where this will ultimately shake out, um, you know, as we look to the next season. George, I'll start with you. Yeah, so the bench, um, you know, right now with the acquisition of Kim plays second base and putting Cronenworth in kind of that super utility, call it a Chris Taylor-like Dodger role, where, you know, you'll find a spot start for him or always have his bat in the lineup. Um, you know, that, that puts Cronenworth as the the one out of the five guys right off the bench. And then you've got Caratini, right, our backup catcher. So two out of your five are locked. Um, so you're down to three spots. Um, I think Mattel gives you a ton of versatility and speed especially if you're going to continue with the, uh, the base runner rule at second base and extra innings, um, you know, once baseball figures out what they're going to do. And uh, then, as you said, we have the, the O'Grady kid who, you know, he got him from Tampa and, you know, the lightning in the bottle is that, that he turns into a similar guy like Cronenworth, maybe a kid who brings a good stick there, right? But again, we don't know. And then there's a guy like Onya, big bat, you know, kind of reminds me of a slightly smaller version of a friend Mel Reyes, big bat. 
um, but a little, little limited maybe on the defense, right? Um, the big factor, again, we don't know this answer is the designated hitter. As fans, you know, we love it. Uh, baseball keeps waffling back and forth, and it's part of the negotiations, right? So as fans, we're going to have to wait and see. And let's be honest, it doesn't uh, bode well for baseball teams and free agents, right? Because, you know, it's limiting players to 15 teams instead of 30. Um, going into Profar, um, I would love to re-sign Profar. Every championship team has a good dose of veterans off the bench. Um, there's a connection there from last year, a big part of what the team, uh, you know, the special season we had. And again, another connection with Preller there. So um, it's going to come down to him playing a little bit more of a limited role with the with the Padres. Again, the DH is a big deal. Um, or going to Kansas City for maybe a little more money and some playing time. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's an offer on the table anywhere from five to six million. So uh, we'll see, man. But I like how the bench is coming along. I, I think there is a piece or two we'll be adding to that. Yeah, I think, George, and before I go over to Nick, I, I just want to mention, like, I think it's, like Kim to me is, is a guy that I see platooning maybe with Cronenworth. I, I feel like Cronenworth's going to play potentially in different places and maybe Kim does as well, but Kim's, Kim's a guy who is going to have a transition window where he's coming over to, you know, the major leagues and he's going to be needing to make some adjustments. And so I think that's an interesting um, thing we have to think about that, he may take, you know, it's a four-year contract. So this may take him some time to make, make those adjustments. But um, I, I do think that there's an opportunity to platoon Cronenworth and Kim. Um, I love, I like Mateo. I think he needs to focus on, you know, his hitting. He needs to improve from a hitting standpoint, which would really help the club. Um, Mitch Moreland's a guy that we had that, you know, they didn't bring back, but, you know, but potentially if the DH is gets settled, maybe that's a guy that comes in late. Um, one thing that guys we talked about offline real quick uh, before was, you know, uh, Preller's has, has, likes those, those veterans who've been in a world series situation before. Right. And to me, that's, you know, a Moreland type player. I feel like maybe they don't need to bring him that a guy like that in until the, maybe they, they trade deadline, but uh, you know, just, you know, as you kind of, see where your team is at but nick i'd uh, love to get your thoughts on on the bench and maybe you can talk a little bit more about the the kim signing and what do you what do you think what how he'll contribute yeah the, the kim signing I, I think more than uh well obviously outside of the darvish and spell i think was one of the moves in mlb's offseason that has caught a lot of teams off guard um it, there's a lot of teams that need a shortstop and I know, I believe MLB trade rumors, free agent predicted that he was rated, I believe, the seventh uh, highest free agent available. So there's a lot of teams, the Angels, the Blue Jays, amongst others, um, that could have been going after a shortstop. And he ended up going to a team with probably the best shortstop in Major League Baseball. So I don't think a lot of people saw that, that happening. And uh, it just well, it shows you the depth that they're going after. Um, well, Nick, I'll stop you there real quick. Is the Padres now would have, you know, adding Kim, that's four shortstops in the infield. We're talking Machado, Tatis, Cronenworth, and Kim. I mean, that's four. That's that's incredible to have that many shortstops. I mean, like, you know, if you're another team, maybe you're like, can we have one? You know, like, it, it's pretty incredible. I'll, I'll go back to you. I just uh, wanted to mention, like, that. that's pretty awesome to have that kind of depth. If there is a DH in play in 2021, 
there could be days where Eric Hosmer is given the day off at first, and you will see four shortstops playing the infield. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that very likely could happen. Uh, I believe in one of Dennis Lynn's articles recently, uh, one of the biggest surprises during the 2020 season uh, that he heard from scouts were how, uh, since when did this shortstop Jay Cronenworth show 80 grade defense at first base? Uh, it was something that was just, you know, he looks like a gold glove caliber defender at first base all of a sudden, like, like he's been playing it his entire life. So a guy like him is incredibly valuable because he could play anywhere on the infield. Supposedly he's going to find some, some time in the outfield during camp um, to get him comfortable out there. He might be somebody who does get four to 500 at bats by playing six, seven, eight different positions. That could happen. Uh, Hyo Seung Kim, I, I see primarily being the second baseman um, just because it's one less thing to help uh, make the transition more comfortable. And Jake already in his rookie year with us showed the ability to play second, play first, play short. So it really is just building off of what he already did successfully last year. Well, Nick, I, I, I remember... I think it was last year at some point, maybe early on in the season, maybe back in July, um, being that the season started in July, uh, you wrote an article about the Swiss Army knife. And I think that holds true uh, for Cronenworth this year. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited to uh, continue that. Um, Friar Lounge will be um, active, of course, um, the, the three of us active on Twitter this year. Uh, in addition, we'll be doing, continue to doing podcasts and um, writing articles and have some special, special featured uh, writers this year that will be adding to the site. So uh, if you are um, interested in writing for the Friar Lounge, uh, do feel free to reach out to us um, on either Twitter or directly uh, friarlounge at gmail.com and happy to have those conversations. But uh, gentlemen, uh, you know, let, let's just end this by talking a little bit about 2021. Maybe you can kick around some predictions or, or just any thoughts here. Obviously it's early, right? We're in January. We're excited. Baseball's hopefully around the corner. We could talk a little bit about when we think this season might start and, and any initial thoughts for how the season's going to play out. George, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Just your general thoughts here. Yeah. Just uh, what I've heard is that the, the owners want to kick it off a month after. So um, I'm hearing Memorial day weekend kind of right around there is when the season will start, which According to that, cuts out about possibly, uh, you know, definitely 30 to up to maybe 45, 60 games. So um, we'll see if we hit a 100-game season, 110-game season, maybe with double headers. Um, you know, here's a hoping. And then, you know, more importantly, some levels of fans in the, in the you know, stands, uh, depending on what the comfort level is, of course, what the COVID numbers, what the vaccine situation looks like. So, um, but the bottom line is, is, you know, 2021's here. And uh, Padre baseball is for the better. So super stoked for the season to get uh, get underway. And uh, as you guys know, we love going out to Peoria. Um, we'll see what that kind of scene looks like here. Hopefully there's some more clarity over that. But, uh, but yeah, man, hope, hope to see you guys out there. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, love your final thoughts here. Yeah, you know, um, right now it, the 2021 season and, and the parameters and the details on it are TBD. There's just not enough information yet to really know what it's going to be. Um, you know, at this point last year, we had no idea 
um, COVID was going to have such an impact on day-to-day life, including the baseball season. So, you know, you just got to take it as it is. And hopefully in the next uh, two months, by the end of February, hopefully we have a lot more clarity uh, as to what's going to happen and, and what we can do safely and, and get back to normal where we all love going out to the ballparks and uh, seeing our favorite game being played. Honestly, yeah, guys, I'd give anything to go to a baseball game and spring training game in March and just watch a baseball game. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing it safe, doing it the right way is, the, I think, the way to go. And I'm looking forward to doing that at some point in 2021. Um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to get a chance to do this with you guys tonight. Look forward to doing more of these in 2021. I uh, appreciate the time, gentlemen. I look forward to more of these as we uh, get closer to the season. So thank you. Signing off, guys. Have a great night. Uh, Talk to you soon.